What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to the MLS Multiplex Podcast with contributors from MLSMultiplex.com. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the MLS Multiplex Podcast. As always, it is Drew here with Josh and Connor talking all things the wonderful world of Major League Soccer and North American Soccer. So thanks again so much for tuning in to this episode from wherever in the world you are listening. Really appreciate it. As MLS offseason continues to happen, uh, schedules drop, national teams play, and we just get ready for another exciting year of Major League Soccer. So we're excited to talk this episode. But before we get into the wonderful world of soccer, uh, I know it's been a fun week outside of soccer involving other sports, fantasy sports, trade deadline day, school. So, Connor, how how's fantasy basketball been treating you? How's school's been treating you? How's how's life been treating you for the past week since we last talked? Fantasy basketball could go better. Uh, I have Lamelo Ball and LeBron James, so my weekend was tough. Uh, and then today or last night, Delon Wright got traded, who's also on my fantasy team. So he's now the sixth man on Sacramento, but Wendell Carter Jr. Did get dealt and he's back to being a starter. So hopefully that'll help him. Uh, and Kyle Lowry is still a Raptor, which my heart is happy. My brain is questioning it. Uh, <laughs> but other than that, you know, things are rocking, things are rolling, uh, Got a couple assignments due on Monday, which I haven't started, uh, which I need to do. But other than that, yeah, pretty chilling. It was like 20 degrees in Toronto today, which is nuts. Uh, That's really hot, uh, considering it's March. But I assume it was definitely better weather than you guys have, because we may have to pause at any moment uh, with josh having to go hide for a tornado uh so josh apart from being in danger of turning into the character from the wizard of oz how are you doing i'm doing fine 
Uh, yeah, like Connor mentioned, we've we've had some severe storms coming through my area where I'm living. Uh, I I don't think it's gonna get so bad that we'll have to pause, thankfully. But it's it's definitely a possibility. It's been it's been a it's been a weird day today because of that. I had a rehearsal I was supposed to teach at um, after school today. That got canceled, so kind of like messed up my day. I was all ready for that, and then all this weather came through. But other than that, my week wasn't. Wasn't that special? Wasn't that crazy? I am really, really, really looking forward to next week, though, because I have an appointment to get vaccinated. I am so freaking excited to get this shot. I am so excited. So I got got that scheduled yesterday, and uh, next week's going to be really great. So I'm really looking forward to it. But other than that, nothing too crazy. You know, I watched the U.S. game earlier today, which we'll talk plenty about, and We've got all this Olympic qualifying going on, uh, and then the Hawks did some decent stuff today trade-wise. I'm just glad John, John Collins is still a Hawk for now, for now, until maybe the end of the season. But yeah, pretty decent week. Drew, how has your week been? My week's been pretty good. It's gone by really fast, um, but maybe that's just a me thing. I haven't had a whole lot to do as far as school goes. Um, I don't know about you guys, but I've been watching a lot of basketball, but a lot of college basketball. And I don't want to talk any about March Madness because after the first day, I deleted the app and threw my bracket in the fire and never want to look at it again. So that sucks. But it's a yearly it's a yearly occurrence. It was good to have that back. It was good to have the bracket being busted again after not getting it last year. Um, Let's see what. Oh, um, funny thing. You mentioned COVID vaccines. I got my first dose Sunday. So that was really exciting. Heck yeah. Yeah, I that was it. like I. was diagnosed with asthma as a baby, so I could like use that, like, you know, to condition. So I got that. And like, I don't know about you guys, but I can't do needles at all. So when I like sat down there, the uh, person who was giving the shot pulls out this like machete looking thing. And like, that whole thing is going in my arm. This is going to hurt so bad. And then like a tenth of it goes in my arm. And she's like, okay, all done. I was like, you just like pulled out a machete and you like barely poked me. So that was a nice relief. So, yeah, that was awesome getting that across. Um, good thing next week when we record will be this is be the last episode without Major League Baseball for like since until October. Baseball starts next week. I'm so excited about that. Hopefully the Braves will make a run. Uh, but yeah, excited for baseball. March Madness is going on. Spring football is going on here in Athens. and That's always a big deal. And like Josh said, getting to watch the U.S. beat up on some teams and then lose to some teams. But we'll talk about that in a second. Um, But in addition to this wonderful world of sports that we are in, we had some European actions to North Americans abroad before they came and represented their countries. Um, Probably the most notable, I would say, uh, Sergio Dest scoring a brace for Barcelona on Sunday. Uh, He's the third American ever to score a goal in La Liga at all. He's the first American to score for Barcelona. He was the first American to score a brace in La Liga. So that was really good. Two goals, really big performance for him. Uh, Christian Pulisic played an FA Cup match. I don't know. Was it the quarterfinals? I think it was the quarterfinals. And he got man of the match. And I think they play Man City in the semifinals. I think that was the draw. Or that's where the bracket fell. So maybe he'll play Zach Steph in the semifinals. So that's exciting. Uh, Chris Richards got an assist for Hoffenheim. Uh, Jordan Sabachu goal and an assist for old boys. We've talked about him a lot in the podcast lately. He's been a consistent name, so really awesome to see him in there. Uh, Taylor Booth scored for St. Poulton off the bench. Uh, we've mentioned him a little bit. Brandon Cervania got another start also for St. Poulton, so the Austrian Bundesliga 
staying filled with Americans. Uh, Tyler Boyd with a brace in Turkey. Andy Andre Yedlin scored a goal and got a red card with Galatasaray in Turkey as well. Um, honestly, totally forgot about DeAndre Yedlin. When he left for Newcastle, I was like, okay, see you later. But he's tearing it up at Galatasaray, so that's awesome. And on the bad news of things, going to Canada, Alfonso Davies got a red card. I don't know in what game he got the red card, but two games suspension in the Bundesliga. So that sucks for Davies. But I think Bayern Munich can survive without him. I think they're a pretty good team, so not the end of the world. Um, but I just ran through a lot of North Americans abroad actions between Americans, Canadians. So, Connor, unless you want to talk about the bad news with Alfonso Davies, what out of this massive list of North Americans abroad, what was one moment that stuck out to you from this past weekend? Uh, well, I didn't watch like any international soccer, well, not international soccer, uh, European soccer. So I didn't see any of this. <laughs> frankly. Uh, I guess I'll talk about the one thing I did see, which was Davies. Uh, and I don't think it was a total negative from a very, very selfish point of view because he's now playing for Canada currently as we speak, uh, which, you know, great. Uh, but I don't know about the two-game suspension. I think that might have been a little bit harsh, but it was an orange card, I would say, in terms of whether or not he should have been sent off. Uh yeah, I don't really have much to add to it. It was not a pretty challenge. Uh, it looked like it definitely hurt, and he didn't mean to do it. But here we are, and hopefully he learns from that and comes back even stronger and even better uh, after playing two games for Canada, hopefully, who are currently up 4-1 against Bermuda, uh, which, you know, that's always a good thing. But, Josh, what was your... North Americans abroad that you're going to choose? Yeah, definitely Serginho Dest. I mean, scoring for Barcelona is always a big deal since he's American. Um, he did score a Champions League goal earlier. You know, he scored that group stage goal uh, a few months ago, but finally got a La Liga goal. And then for him to score twice in a match is huge deal. It's And it's even cooler when you see Lionel Messi is assisting an American and scoring goal and celebrating with him. So I think that was such a cool thing. And it's weird because we've got so many of these young players playing abroad now for all these big teams. I don't want to say that we as Americans are taking it for granted because I don't think that's the case. But this is a moment that reminds us of how special it is to see all these young players over there. And especially for a club with such history like FC Barcelona. Isn't he the top scorer? Uh, American that's an American in La Liga now uh no that was a typo on my behalf because I failed to just look it up but Josie Altador scored three times for Villarreal back in his stint from 08 to 11 so he's got dust by one legal oh huh I thought I saw that he was top but I guess shout out Josie <laughs> I saw that too and I think that's why I wrote it down and then just now double checked and that's not accurate information so whoever put that out there did not follow up i don't think with josie altador's time in Villarreal, which was pretty short and he only played 25 times over three years Yikes. shocker <laughs> sounds sounds like pretty, pretty much josie but drew did you have something that stood out to you this weekend north americans abroad wise not really. I think you took you took the the obvious answer with Serginho Dest there scoring two for Barca. But I'm gonna say DeAndre Yedlin scoring for Galatasaray again. We haven't. I think the last time we talked about him was when he left Newcastle to go to Turkey, 
and we haven't talked about him really at all. So to see him score, and I, I feel like I saw the goal, and I feel like I was pretty impressed by it. I can't like describe the goal at all, but I remember. I feel like I remember seeing it, thinking, "Good goal, solid." Um, but also, Pulisic getting man of the match is always good, especially in an FA Cup game. Uh, we've been talking about him not getting a lot of playing time, so for him to get playing time in the first place and then use it to put in a really good performance for Chelsea against, I totally forgot who they played, but he won and they're moving on to the FA Cup semifinal against Manchester City, so that is always really good. Um, But moving away from North Americans abroad, uh, we had a lot of international news, and we will get to in a second, but before we get into that, we had a couple of transfers and signings in Major League Soccer, uh, two of which were with Inter-Miami as that team continues to just reload after a really bad season last year. So Inter-Miami looking like they're they're at least trying out there. Uh, first, we'll get to uh, they signed a left back here and Kieran Gibbs from West Brom. Uh, he'll join the team in July on a three year contract. I think he has to wait for the season to end with West Brom in England and then he can join. Miami after that. And in addition to signing that left back, Miami also signed right back Kevin Leardom uh, as free agent who played with Seattle. And yeah, so they got their two fullbacks, uh, presumed starters, I think, got the new left back coming from England and you got the new right back playing with Seattle. Uh, Josh, at these two signings, what what are you taking away from these two signings? Anything interesting about it? We mentioned in the outline, this feels like a lot of players Miami signing that have something to do with Seattle. So is that like just a weird trend, do you think? Or is that something that they're doing on purpose here? Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely think there's an element here with having Chris Henderson as your GM. Remember, uh, Henderson joined from Seattle. He was there many years. So he's obviously familiar with Kevin Leardham. And then we also talked about on a recent podcast, uh, the signing of Jovan Jones, who spent a decent amount of time with Seattle as well. So obviously there's a connection there. I mean, I think it's, you know, it's smart from the sense that Seattle has been so successful over the last, what has been like five years now, that any of these Seattle players that you pick up are going to be an automatic benefit to your team. So, you know, I think that aspect of it is smart. Uh, and then signing Kieran Gibbs at left back, you know, I'd be interested to see where he fits in once he gets with the team. You know, we talked about Jovan Jones playing left back. And then obviously the greatest MLS player of all time, Breck Shea can play left back as well. So, you know, they're going to have three left backs now all of a sudden. So I think that's also kind of interesting. Definitely a, a different um, aspect to it here. So, yeah, I don't I don't know. I, I, I'm not necessarily, like, super excited about either of these signings. You know, obviously, like you said, like, Inter-Miami is, like, kind of revamping what they're doing. And, you know, I feel like I say it every week, but I'm just, I'm just excited to see what they're going to look like on the field because I, I really feel like, we have no idea. I And based on what we've been seeing from press conferences and the way the players are talking, where the staff are talking, it sounds like they're going to be pressing a lot and they're going to be really high tempo. And I, like I've said, I think that's going to make Inter-Miami really interesting. I'm very curious as to whether or not they can execute that sort of thing. So, yeah, it just seems like these signings are helping them get a step closer to that. Yes, all of their museum of players should do great uh, as in that pressing system uh, the artifacts that they are but the Karen Gibbs signing I don't get uh, like the guy's not very good anymore and it screams I don't know if you guys remember this it might have been before your time but Ashley Cole when he was in MLS before our here. time we're older than you I'm your time is fans 
Oh, he was, okay. He was with Galaxy like two or three years ago, so we were around when Atlanta United invented soccer geezer. in 2017. You're an MLS geezer in this podcast, Connor. Yes, I am, even though I Get don't off know. my lawn. <laughs> yeah, it's the only thing I'm older than you two guys at, except for hockey. I do dominate you in hockey, uh, so I continue to push that Canadian narrative uh, and stereotype. But in terms of Inter-Miami, I think uh, the Leardam signing is good. Um He's a good player. Uh, I know that based on past experience. Uh, but I don't get Karen Gibbs. Like, unless he's depth, I really don't understand it. You've already got Shawcross in your back line who's ancient, and that's putting it kindly. So I really don't know why Inner Miami would make this signing. Which are you talking about? Are you talking about Gibbs or Leardham or both? Gibbs. Uh, well, I think what's interesting to me about it, I think Josh talked about Jovan Jones, is that what I'm interested in is what Miami does before this guy shows up. Because like Josh said, uh, Jovan Jones can play in that left-back position. So will he play as a left-back, or will Breck Shea as a left-back, and the other one kind of play higher up the field? And then when Gibbs shows up, will it like flip? Like who's getting knocked out of the roster? Will Jovan Jones get moved up, or will Breck Shea get moved back? Or like what's the, what's the deal with that? So that's what's interesting to me is to see what's going to happen when this guy does show up. But he shows up in July, so I'm excited to see what happens before then and who gets taken off the field when he does show up, assuming he breaks in the starting 11. So that's going to be interesting timing because we've got the Gold Cup this summer, and Jovan Jones is, you know, barring an injury, definitely going to be with Trinidad and Tobago for that. So getting Gibbs might actually be, like, excellent timing for them uh, because then they'll have that left-back coverage at, like, the right, like, the perfect time. So... That might actually work out really, really well for Miami. At least the timing of it, like we said, you know, who knows how Gibbs is going to do. He's he's in his 30s. I mean, how is he 33, 31? I'm going to look it up right now. 31. Okay, so that's not terrible. But again, if they're going to be doing all this pressing, I'm very curious as to how these players are going to to fit into to Miami's system. But yeah, definitely going to be interesting no matter what. What do you guys think about the DC United signings? Yeah, so reports are coming out from Pablo Mara with The Athletic and Stephen Goff with The Washington Post. They're confirming the signing of 23-year-old forward Nigel Roberta. He is joining from Bulgarian side Levski Sofia. He's had seven goals in his last five games. He's a Curacao international, and the fee is somewhere around $1 to $2 million, not a DP signing. And then they're also uh, reported by Goff signing Venezuelan forward Giovanni Bolivar. That announcement is expected to be coming somewhat soon. I'll go ahead and say I'm, I'm pretty excited about this Roberta signing uh, just because, honestly, because he's a Curacao international, I think they really, it feels like forever ago now, but in the last Gold Cup in 2019, Curacao, they had a, a really nice tournament, and I think they surprised some people. They are under, managed. they're managed by uh, Gus Hiddink now. I don't know if you guys saw that. They played their qualifier earlier today. Um, and they're getting all these like these Dutch players uh, since Curacao had, I think, I think the Dutch settled there originally. There's some sort of history tying the nations together. So there's a lot of Dutch players that are coming through, and hence why Hiddink is now the, the manager there. So 
the fact that Roberta is a curse international and he's on fire right now coming from Bulgaria. So I'll be interested to see how he fits in. This definitely feels like an Aaron Lasada signing. Um, Drew, what do you think about these DC signings? Yeah, I don't have really anything about Bolivar because I think he's pretty young. I don't know how old he is. He's like 19 or 20. And he played, the only thing I really know about him is that he played in the Venezuelan first division. He's appeared a little bit with the Venezuelan youth national teams. I don't know what ages exactly he played for. But yeah, this Roberta signing, it's really interesting. He scored, he's played 39 games with his team in Bulgaria. He has 20 goals and eight assists over those 39 games. And I think Josh may have mentioned this, but seven goals in his last five games. So he's on fire. That's really exciting. What is interesting, I was reading this on red and black united i think that dc united has i think it was eight international players and they have six slots so they are in a little bit of a tangle there so they were talking someone could drop you because they can they can like buy international spots so i don't think dc united's done yet what do you think josh should they how how do you think they should manage this international spot fiasco that they find themselves in with this guy so i think that's an interesting aspect something that we haven't really covered much on the podcast and you know now that now that you mentioned it i don't think i've seen anybody really talk about this but for a while it was pretty easy for mls teams to get their players green cards visas to not have to occupy that international slot for example Lynn united they they had a couple summers where they would get three or four South American players green cards and then they wouldn't have to take up an international slot anymore. However, it's been a little harder to get green cards for players over the last couple of years. Part of that is because of the previous administration and then the other part of that is now the COVID pandemic as well has really affected the green card process. Atlanta United is in a similar spot as well Drew, I don't know if you've seen, but Mateus Rosetto has not been playing in any of the preseason stuff so far. Some people have hinted at, well, they don't have enough international slots. Maybe Rosetto is not even going to be signed up to play. That's a thing, by the way, in other leagues. I'm not sure if it's a thing in MLS, but you don't have to register all the players on your team for a season. But I don't know. I you know, there's only ten roster slots per team per season. You can buy roster slots from other teams for money. Atlanta just spent I think three hundred and fifty K in GAM on a roster slot from I think it was Colorado earlier this week it was announced. So DC's either gonna have to find a way to get their players green cards or they're gonna have to buy international slots from someone. But something's gotta give because Having eight players in six slots is pushing things. Even with Atlanta United having, I think it's 11 players or 12 players with 11 slots is not great, obviously, for those players that that need it. Connor, what do you think about these signings? What do you think about this international slot situation? Before we jump into that, because I have absolutely no thoughts on these signings because I have no idea who they are. Uh, But as I will say, and I guess we can just say it now, adding depth this season is great. as much depth as you can get, you get it. But what I did want to ask you, what happens if they start the season over the international roster slot amount? Like I said, I'm not sure. I know in other leagues, like for example, in the Premier League, I know Spurs this past season, they just did not register one of their goalkeepers because he was an international player and they didn't have the spot for him. And so he just hasn't played in any games. 
It almost happened with Brian Reynolds, remember, because Juventus didn't have enough slots to accompany him. It happened to Tyler Boyd with, Juventus. I think, Sizipor. Wait, what? Yeah, when Juventus was going after Brian oh, Reynolds, one of, the issues, okay. yeah, one of the issues with signing him was that they didn't have a slot. They were going to loan him out to another Italian side for yeah. the rest of the season, remember, to get around that rule. So I know that that's the case in other leagues. I don't know because I don't think we've ever seen this happen in MLS, at least when we've been paying attention, this issue with the international slot. So I imagine that what happens is if you don't, if you don't have a, an international spot for that player, they just can't play until the next transfer window opens. And either you add a slot or they get a green card or another player gets a green card on the team and they can take that slot. I imagine there's some sort of moving around like in a similar situation like that. So I guess that's how it works. We'll probably have to look into it. Maybe we'll see something come out about this stuff since, like I've just mentioned, it seems harder for teams to take care of these international spots. And D.C. and Atlanta are having problems. I'm sure other teams are as well. Yeah, I just want to like directly quote Black and Red United. But they said, yeah, they have eight international players, six international spots, up to 28 players on contract. Eight international players, six international slots. But they have three weeks before they have any games or roster compliance to deal with. So it's safe to expect some other move, whether it's a trade, players receiving their green card, or um, a younger international player starting their season with Loden United. I think that's our USL team. I probably totally botched that pronunciation. I think they are in Virginia, Maryland area. So that's also another possibility. These guys could start in USL. We'll see what happens. Or another interleague loan, maybe. Also possible. We definitely would like to see more of those, wouldn't we? Yes, we definitely would. Uh, but before we transition to transfers and stuff, I feel like we should talk about Ives. Yeah. I mean, we wish him well. You know, COVID is obviously still a thing. Yeah. He's hospitalized now with it. He's been dealing with yeah. it for a couple of weeks. He's a writer for SP Nation. For those listening and, and don't know who he is, it's Ives uh, Galarsa, I believe is how you pronounce his last name. Yeah, Galarsa. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so he's been hospitalized. He seems to be doing well. He said he's he's stable, so we wish him the best as he uh, works to recover from COVID. But even as you know, people get vaccinated, like Drew, myself, this upcoming week, hopefully, we still have to wear masks. You still have to wait a few weeks for the vaccine to really, you know, Take care of itself. Still got to social distance. Like all these things are still in place. So be smart about this still. Yes. Ives, we are thinking of you, even though you will never hear this. Um, Maybe he listens. I highly, highly, highly doubt it, but maybe he's unbelievably bored right now uh, and stumbles across this podcast. But uh, if you want to follow uh, Ives, you can go to soccer by Ives, uh, spelled I V E S. On Twitter, follow him. He's got 269,000 followers, which is nuts. Uh, I didn't think he had that many, but big shout out to him. Uh, let's shift now as I talk, finish talking about him to the MLS schedule, which I haven't even looked at yet. So what do you guys think of this schedule so far? Is it really bad? Is it too condensed? Is it too spaced out? Where do you see any issues arising in the MLS schedule? I don't, it's hard really to think of my thoughts on an entire schedule because it's 
20, what is it, 28, 29, whatever, some teams traveling all over the country. Um, so I don't really have, when I looked at the schedule, there wasn't like one thing that stuck out to me, like this is a problem, this isn't good. Obviously, COVID is an issue that you want to try to avoid as much as possible. Um, I think from an Atlanta perspective, because that was a schedule I dissected most of all, obviously, but it seemed like they were sticking around very well. It was pretty much predominantly on the East, which a lot of that's due to the majority of the teams being on the East. If you were to cut the country in half, most of the teams are on the East. Um, They make a couple of trips out West, which I think we'll talk about more in a second, but there wasn't really anything particular that stuck out to me about it. Um, Excited to see a schedule, see that soccer is on the way. Uh, Josh, was there anything when you look at the schedule for the first time, whether it be from Atlanta's perspective or just MLS as a whole, was there one thing that stuck out to you when you checked out the schedule? Yeah, so the conference alignment is like it's very very different this year. Like Drew was mentioning, it's very regionalized. Um and so the way it's going to work this season is got 27 teams, 14 in the East and 13 in the West with the addition of Austin this year. Nashville's going to be in the Eastern Conference for this season. But the way it's going to work is at least for the Eastern Conference all 14 te- all 14 teams sorry will each play six regional eastern conference opponents three times so for example i have just from looking at atlanta's schedule they're going to play orlando three times they're going to play nashville three times if i remember correctly they're going to play toronto three times which i guess is because toronto is going to be down in florida this year um hence the region even though normally you know we probably wouldn't consider them being as part of the same region same thing you know they can play montreal three times uh, so that's notable. You're going to be really familiar with a couple teams this year, depending on which team you follow. And then beyond that, there's another seven remaining Eastern Conference opponents. They'll play those home and away twice. That brings you up to 32 games. And then what is the most interesting aspect of this to me is there will be two cross-conference games for the East. So they'll play two Western Conference opponents. Now, it's different for the Western Conference because they've got the odd number 13 teams. 11 of the 13 teams are going to play eight regional opponents three times. So like I said, they'll get really familiar with three different opponents. You can think Seattle and Vancouver, Seattle and Portland, Portland and Vancouver, the Cascadia teams, the California teams are going to meet each other a lot. And then they'll play the remaining four Western Conference opponents twice to finish out the 32 games of that. But then there's the two cross-conference games as well for the West. So again, it's kind of like baseball. Like we're going to get kind of some interleague games every now and then, some, some inch-conference games every now and then, whereas or interconference, sorry. But then predominantly the schedule is going to be in the East. So those, that's what's really stuck out to me is just how different it's going to be. Obviously, this is super COVID-related, and it makes the most sense. You know, you limit down travel and... Hopefully, if, if there are postponements, you know, God forbid, it's easier to manage. The only other aspect of the schedule I think is really interesting, and Connor was kind of alluding to it in terms of congestion, is things are really spaced out for the first few months. It's after the international break in June, which the league is going to go about three or four weeks without playing any games because of Gold Cup and you know, what other tournaments going on this summer around the world, Euros. Uh, I think there's another Copa America this year. Um, after June, when all the teams come back, it's going to be really busy. That's when you're going to see lots of midweek games, lots of congestion. Hopefully by then, everybody's vaccinated. 
we don't have to worry about COVID with the, with the players and the staffs and people attending, and there won't be any postponements because if there are any delays in those games in the back half of the season, I think it's going to cause some trouble for some people because it's super congested. Any thoughts from you guys on the schedule beyond what I've just mentioned before we get into maybe some games that, have, that stick out to us early before we get into the season? Uh, I don't personally, but I can transition pretty well into my game because it isn't a specific game. It is games because, and I find this very interesting, up until the international break, Toronto FC are scheduled to play all of their games in Florida. After the international break, all of their home games... The location is TBD, which leads me to believe they're potentially hopeful they can play inter-country games, I guess, possibly. And a reason that that could be getting closer to is today it was in, or there were reports and sort of it's been kind of confirmed that the NHL, the quarantine that players being traded from the U.S. to Canada will have to face now won't be 14 days, it'll be 7. So the government's starting to shrink in, I guess, the quarantine mandates. That's very, very interesting because that could potentially lead the way to professional sports teams being allowed to play international games again. And by international, I mean travel between these two countries. So I wonder what's going to happen with that situation. I think that's something that we need to watch in terms of when Toronto, Montreal, and Vancouver can start returning home. Um, Because honestly, that'll be a huge boost to a lot of them. And it'll be interesting to see which players get the vaccines. Uh, And yes, that's a subtweet at Nick DeLeon. Uh, You didn't see this? Nope. From Beezer, uh, I can't remember his first name, from the Toronto Sun, did an interview with him where he said he does not, he's never gotten a vaccine. He doesn't plan on getting a vaccine. And he isn't really into COVID and the hundreds of thousands of people who have died. Uh, you can go and check out, I, I might be paraphrasing that last bit unbelievably incorrectly. Uh, so, Josh, I assume you're pulling up his tweets now. Who who was the, the journalist again? Beezer from The Sun. I can't remember his first name. Okay, because so I found a Calgary Herald article. So he said something like, he, wow, so he's like never even got like a flu oh. shot, like no. Yeah, yeah. Steve Buffery. Right. Interesting. Steve Interesting. Buffery <laughs> uh, is the journalist from the Toronto Sun, who ironically, the Toronto Sun are one of the only... <laughs> Places that really, really cover Toronto FC pretty well, uh, apart from, well, it was TSN, but Christian Jack's no longer with them, and Josh Cloak is sort of split between uh, the Leafs and TFC, but I will read the exact quote from Steve Buffery, which he tweeted, I don't cower at numbers, with at COVID-19 numbers, all that BS, I don't care. I don't have to follow the flow of what everybody's doing. Nah, I run my pace. I run my race, period. Uh, and 
Yeah, he also, uh, if you want the full vaccine quote, I've never had vaccines. I don't get the flu shot. I don't get any of that. I don't take medicine. I don't take prescription (laughs) crap. Any of that. That's the way I choose to live my life, and I will not change that for anybody. So uh, he also doesn't believe in, like, he doesn't believe the best way to deal with COVID is lockdowns and self-isolation because he called those measures, quote, inhumane. Uh, so interesting uh, day for Nick DeLeon, which has sort of gone under the radar, considering sort of uh, Steve Buffery, his tweets. Wow. Um, one of his tweets has two likes. Another has five retweets. One of them did get 54 retweets uh, in reference to the vaccine stuff. And his story got one retweet with his final latest tweet getting eight. So this has been pretty quiet and people haven't really picked up on this. But yeah, Nick DeLeon is having a day and I wonder how long he will be a member of Toronto FC. But I mean, as long as long as this doesn't uh, see, you know, as long as this doesn't catch like mainstream soccer twitter i I think he'll be okay i don't think toronto is going to have a problem with him saying any of this stuff you know hey he's he is free to believe and do what he wants that's the point of being in canada being in the u.s you know you're free he's a free person he's free to do whatever he wants that being said i think one could argue that his comments are quite insensitive to the people who have been affected by COVID, which is literally everyone. Um, only as thing I want to so- add to as a soccer reporter is in the ER with yeah. pneumonia related or COVID pneumonia. Yeah, exactly. Um, the last thing I want to add to this is I absolutely hate that the picture they use of him is clearly from the playoff game in which he scored the game winner <laughs> against Atlanta. So, you know, as if there wasn't already enough reason for me to, to not be fond of Nick DeLeon, he's just given me more reasons. Nice <laughs> long. Yeah. yeah. All right. I don't want to talk about him anymore because that's lame. let's talk about Atlanta some more, though, and how they're going to get their backsides pounded in. By LAFC. Yeah, so wrong, first of all. (laughs) (laughs) Second of all, yes. If there's a game that I'm looking forward to most this year on the schedule, speaking of the schedule, it's Atlanta versus LAFC. A bunch of reasons for this. One, it's one of the only two Western Conference opponents that Atlanta's going to face, the other one being Seattle, which thank you, schedule makers, for giving us the most popular Western Conference teams, but not thank you because they're really good and we'll probably lose both of those games, but whatever. Um Second reason, this game is happening in August. Hopefully, people will be at games and the atmosphere will be awesome. Third, rumor is that Atlanta is planning to go full stadium for that game. So, again, hopefully it's safe enough to do so by then and we can get back to having 70,000 plus people cheering on Atlanta United, breaking records and all that good stuff. And then thirdly, I am expecting both of these teams to be sort of near the top of the league by August when they meet August 15th. So hopefully it lives up to its billing. Hopefully one, I can go and then two, hopefully lots of people can go because that's what makes these games so awesome is, is having the people there. The other thing I'm looking forward to in the schedule is just El Trafico. There's going to be three of them again. They're all going to be prime time, national TV, 
even losing Zlatan, they were still super entertaining last year. So I'm excited for that to continue. I did have another game that I wanted to put on the list. However, Drew, being the intelligent person he is, also picked that game. So Drew, tell us about the game you're looking forward to the most. Yeah, and fun fact about the Atlanta LAFC game, that is on my 22nd birthday. So I am also really hoping that we can both <laughs> go to those games so we can watch, hopefully Atlanta pull something out. But yes, the game that I picked... You can get blackout drunk. Exactly. I really hope my mom doesn't listen to these podcasts. I don't think she does. <laughs> He's kidding, Mom. He's kidding. Um, Hi, Mrs. Hubbard. <laughs> uh, the game that I chose was the Columbus Crew hosting the New England Revolution on July 3rd because of multiple reasons. First and foremost, uh, it's the defending champs, and they are opening that brand new stadium, Crew Stadium, I think is the name of it. Kind of a crummy name to name a stadium, but the stadium looks awesome. It looks exciting. It's going to be a big deal, really big deal. And I think it's also an anniversary, not an anniversary, a celebration of oh i'm totally blanking on this i think it was like the fur man it is because it's because columbus opened their first stadium against new england way back in the day so it's full circle that they are once again opening a new stadium still against new england yes that's really exciting and the thing that i am most excited about because i think these two teams are going to be freaking good in the east and I think this is a potential possible playoff matchup. So I'm excited about these two teams. They're going to, I'm picking, I'm both high on both these teams. Columbus is really good. I think the Reds are going to be really good. So similar to Josh's Atlanta LAFC pick, I think both these teams are going to be awesome. That new stadium is going to be great and we will see what happens. So I'm really excited about that. Really excited about schedules coming out as we wait for April 16th, I think when MLS league play starts champions league starts april 6th with some games going on then so we'll have to wait for that but something we will also have to wait for um, a little bit longer uh the united states international team transitioning to some international talk because we had a lot of international things going on we have some international things going on right now as canada's u23 you're playing right now and connor will probably give us an update as we're talking zero zero seven minutes in actually nine minutes in and honduras just hit the post Oh, that was the biggest tease, man. I thought you were going to say Honduras just scored. Nah, just ah. hit the post. It was. It's a honestly a beautiful strike. Canada is very lucky that it just gets scored on. <laughs> That's fun. Uh, I am behind, so yeah. Uh, that's yeah. You're going to see uh, it soon, Connor. It's going to scare you. Well, it won't because I know what happens. You'll see. Um, You'll just trust me. It'll scare you. Okay. Sure. <laughs> But so, as... oh yeah, that was a good shot. Uh, <laughs> See, should have been a goal. Told you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's keep talking about the U.S. team while Canada continues to play. Yes, as Canada continues to play, Connor will give us play-by-play, not play-by-play. He will give us updates as they happen. But the United States men's national team um, it was announced that they will play Switzerland at Switzerland. I assume they're playing Switzerland at Switzerland. Yes. On May 30th. Okay, because they played Jamaica and Austria today, so it's a whole big thing. But they're playing Switzerland at Switzerland on May 30th as a warm-up game for the Nations League Final Four. Um, So that was announced. But today, probably the biggest news as we're recording this on Thursday, the U.S. men's national team. uh, The first team beat Jamaica 4-1 in Austria. Um, So that was really exciting. Serginio Des scored a goal. He's staying hot after scoring two with Barca. Britton Aronson scored, and Sebastian Legette scored two. So four goals, one four one. That was really good to see. Um, 
Just some roster tidbits. Uh, Tyler Adams and Timothy Way had to leave. They had some quarantine issues with their club's country. I assume that their country, the country regulations, they wouldn't be able to play with their club in time. They had to like wait a couple weeks. Like, what was the deal? Why did they have to leave with quarantine stuff? I didn't see any specifics as to why, but assuming based on their upcoming schedule, for example, Tyler Adams with RB Leipzig and Timothy Weo with Lille, uh, both those teams are very competitive right now in their respective leagues. Lille is still leading league on, I believe. I know Jonathan David, he wasn't allowed to leave either, uh, which was a, had a slight effect on Canada, which we'll talk about in a little bit. Um, and then Tyler Adams with RB Leipzig, they're pretty active in the Bundesliga, so that's why those players couldn't leave, just their teams didn't want to release them with the games that they'd be missing upon quarantine coming back. But good news for some players, as those Tyler Adams and Timothy Way had to leave, that opened the door for Jordan Savacu and Christian Kappas to come in. Um, and we mentioned last week a couple players had to leave after the Jamaica game, and I think Adams and Wea were two of those players now that they have already left. Uh, John Brooks and Reggie Cannon will be the only two that will be leaving after this Jamaica match, so they'll be heading back to their clubs. So I guess Jordan Savacu, that was his first cap. I uh, just now saw that in the outline, so... Earn him however you earn him, man. So congratulations to Jordan as he's tearing up in Europe and really good to see him finally get his first cap. Uh, but Josh, in the Slack, you uh, you were messaging us that you had a lot of thoughts on this game. Um, so from the game, obviously a positive result, 4-1. to one. They did let in a goal to a pretty interesting Jamaican side because Jamaica has been having some... Uh, wage disputes with their federation between that, some COVID, some visa stuff. That was not the Jamaican first team. Um, so kind of a weak side, but they still found a way to score on the United States. So Josh, what what are your thoughts? What players stuck out to you in either a negative or positive way from this match today? So first, did either of you watch today's game? Watch the U.S. game today? You betcha. Awesome. No. So All right, so at least Drew and I can discuss some of this. Drew, you might agree with me. You might not, uh, but so I, as I was watching, it kind of occurred to me like there's some definite winners and losers from this game. So I think the biggest winners are Brendan Aronson, Serginio Dest. Dest was on fire. He just looks so much more confident than any of the U.S. players today, whether it was megging people or just the way he was dribbling through guys the flair he has on the ball was really noticeable and then obviously he scored a wonderful goal I think it was like 20 25 yards out from goal when he scored so it was a super impressive goal and then Brendan Aronson just looked fantastic he came on for the second half in place of Christian Pulisic Um, so he looked really really good you can tell by the way that both of these players are getting regular minutes with their club team and you can tell which players are not getting regular minutes with their club team. It's very apparent today. Then a couple of losers. I think Christian Pulisic is a loser after this game because he didn't do much in the first half. He looked out of sync with the rest of the team. I think there were times when he tried to slow the game down when that's not what the game required. It's almost as if the U.S. in attack had a certain tempo and pace to it. And then once the ball got to Pulisic, all of that just stopped. And whatever attack was happening fizzled out. So that was disappointing. Like I said, you can tell that he's not playing that much and that he's out of form and that he's not getting the minutes he needs. But then the other, and I think the biggest loser from this game, is Reggie Cannon. He was terrible today. I don't know why 
and I, I hate it for him because he got this move to Portugal. I am a little worried about him and his pathway forward and his development because the team he's with, Boa Vista in Portugal, I mean, they are terrible. They're fighting relegation. They haven't been good at all this season. And the whole reason he went to Boa Vista in the first place was because of the ties to Lille. And like we've said on, the, on a previous podcast episode a couple months ago, Lille are having their own financial troubles and who knows if that's going to pan out for Cannon to get a move from Boa Vista. So for him to come back to the U.S. camp, which, you know, for these players, if things aren't going well at their club, right, like it's a chance for them to escape that situation. For a player like Reggie Cannon, who's already gotten tons of caps before, you know, this is kind of a, a chance for him to get a refresher, be in a place he's familiar with in terms of who he's playing for and who he's playing with. And it just seemed like he didn't get to take advantage of that today. And he looked really uncomfortable it was his mistake that led to that Jamaica goal, and he just did not look good today. And so I'm, I'm a little, little worried about him. Another winner I'd probably say is Sebastian Lejet because he scored two goals. Drew, do you agree with everything I just said? Do you have any other extra players that you think might be winners or losers after today's game? Do you disagree with anything? What, what do you think about, you know, what were your takeaways from today's game with that? I don't think, I honestly think every, there's one player that I have on my list that you didn't mention, I'll get to in a second, in the losers column. But yeah, the winners, I said Sebastian Legette and Serginho Dest, because mainly with Legette, every time he gets put in the lineup, if you just read the comments section, it is absolutely destroying this guy, just because he plays in MLS. People just assume he's trash, he's terrible, and then he goes out there and scores two goals. So that was really exciting. And I think a lot of the conversation after the game was that, he's consistently earning these call-ups because he's consistently been in there. This this has been happening for a while. And he showed today that he's earning it, that he earns these call-ups. He has a right to be there. He's in good form and scored two goals today. So that was really exciting. So I put him as one of my winners. I also put Serginho Dest as a winner because obviously the goal was phenomenal. But when I saw the lineup, my first thought was, who's going to play left back? Because it had Reggie Cannon and Serginho Dest. And Anthony Robinson was on the bench. And I think Anthony Robinson came in later eventually. But I was like, I don't know who's going to do this. Because I think last week I even complained about there's way too many right backs on this roster. I don't like this. And then he goes around, puts Serginho Dessa left back. I was like, all right, we'll see what happens. And he, you were right, Josh. He tore it up. The goal was phenomenal. Um, and not just, not just the goal. Just he had this confidence and swagger he played about. So that was really awesome to see. Losers, I also did put Reggie Cannon because... He didn't, yeah, again, didn't play that great. That was kind of disappointing. And I think he got uh, megged on the pass that led to Jamaica's goal. I think I think I know what you're talking about. Yeah. He just, man, he just looked not good today. Super uncomfortable. Yeah, that was just like the tip of the iceberg. Like if you showed that one clip, that was pretty, I think, um, a good image of Reggie Cannon's days. So that's unfortunate. And also another loser I had, uh, G Arena. I didn't think he played that well. I thought... So to Reggie Cannon's credit, Matt Doyle tweeted this, and I think he was right. Reggie Cannon kept making these overlapping runs, and Giorena did not pass him the ball. And it was so frustrating. And I think as I watched the highlights, I like was cooking a pizza, so I missed like a solid 15, 20 minutes of the match. But I watched the highlights, and Reina had a lot of really good chances that he just missed. He didn't force the goalie to make a save. He didn't. He just missed them. So that was unfortunate. I think he's probably frustrated he didn't get a goal. So I thought... Yeah, between not hitting K on those overlapping runs and then just missing all those chances, I thought that was a bummer for him. Also, another winner we didn't mention was Josh Sargent. That was a phenomenal assist to Brendan Aronson. We've been talking about this run he's been on in Germany, scoring goals. 
And he did score a goal, but he had a really good assist. So that was really exciting. Yeah, definitely agree with Sargent, even though, you know, like you said, he didn't get a goal today. It didn't matter. And I honestly don't care if he's scoring or not, because if he plays the way he did today with his link-up play and the way he helps all of his teammates around him, that's fine by me. If he's helping other people score, we're getting goals no matter what. And he's still a vital part of the team, even if he's not the one doing the scoring. It's funny you mentioned Reyna. I also put him down as a loser after the first half because... To me, he was just non-existent, man. He just wasn't doing anything out there. Like you said, he wasn't really connecting with Cannon. I felt like he wasn't doing much connecting with any of the other players. And so that was really disappointing. But again, he's a player who's also not getting a lot of minutes at Borussia Dortmund right now. So it's very obvious which players are playing a lot, which players are struggling for minutes. Um, I want to circle back to Lejet for a second and MLS for a second. I don't think, you know... It's pretty obvious the people who pay attention to Litjet and who don't, like you were saying, Drew, people see that he's an MLS player and they immediately discredit Berhalter's choice for having him in the lineup. But first of all, Litjet has played for one of the worst teams in MLS over the last couple of years in the LA Galaxy. They finished dead last like two or three years ago. And between all the coaches and players they've shuffled through, like I don't blame him for not playing that well for LA or not being on a good team. Second of all, he's always played better in the national team than for the LA Galaxy. Part of that, I think, is the the systems he plays in. Part of that is the the responsibilities and roles he's given from the international side of things to the club side of things. You know, I remember when I first started really paying attention to the U.S. Men's National Team back in 2017, he was playing well for them before he went down with, I think it was an ACL injury, and he missed the rest of that season. So I don't think anyone should be discrediting discrediting Lejet just because he plays in MLS. I mean, just look at how he plays for the U.S. national team. He's fine. He's a good player. The other side of that as well, though, is he is one of Burhalter's consistent players. And that is extremely crucial right now when it is so difficult to get all of the players together in one place because of the way seasons line up and because of quarantines and because of all the international travel. So the fact that you get a player like Lejet or even a player like Aaron Long, someone who can be in almost every single game, that's the consistency you need to continue to build up this program and build up the squad. So I think Leggett might be one of the U.S.'s most important players, to be honest. And then one other player we didn't talk about, Kellen Acosta. I thought he looked pretty good in the sixth role. We talked about Tyler Adams was unable to be with the team, and so Acosta kind of filled in for him in that deep-lying um, central defense uh, midfielder, central defensive midfielder, and I thought he did pretty well in that position. Now, I do have a hot take after today's game, and I'm going to pose it as a question to both of you because I want your guys' opinions on this. Is the national team better without Christian Pulisic than it is with Christian Pulisic? That's like, asking, I, that's like asking if Sweden is better without Zlatan. Is it, though? Because name another Swedish player that isn't Zlatan. Exactly. No, but no, because you can name a thousand Tyler Adams, Yorena, Josh Sargent, Eunice Musa. I mean, there's so many. Serginho Dest. I thought he did well. He could go on and on. Yeah, Musa put on a good shift today. He he is. It's actually extremely exciting that he's now a U.S. Men's National player. But no, but for real, I, I don't think that's a fair comparison, Connor. I do because we are hardcore tapped into the U.S. national team and Canadian. Well, I'm tapped into the Canadian national team. You two are a little bit more on the fringes in the same way I'm a bit more on the fringes in the U.S. 
if you ask someone from Sweden, if t- is taking Christian Pulisic out of the U.S. team, are they better? They're going to say no because he's one of their best players. Like, yes, there have been players that have emerged recently that have been very, very good, and Reyna and McKinney and myriad of other guys, Sergio Dest, but Christian Pulisic is the name. He is your guy. Like, he's your number 10. And you know what? I Hey, I don't disagree with that, but is the team better with him or without him? You have to say with him, because... Even if you don't use him as a starter, if you want to bring him off the bench, that presence and his ability on the pitch pulls players away from other U.S. national team players. He creates space for others, even if he isn't very involved. And I think that's something you have to consider. Is people are afraid of his talent. They know how good he is. So they might leave somebody like a Josh Sargent who they don't perceive as being as good because he plays for, who is it? Uh, Green Diamond Badge. Uh, I can't remember their well, name. Werder Ver- Bremen. Werder Bremen, thank you. Uh, he plays for Werder Bremen and they perceive him as not as good. They will s- cover Pulisic more than they will cover Sargent which creates space for Sargent. And I don't think you can discount that effect on the U.S.'s ability to attack. So I am, I am really, I'm not going to lie, I'm, I'm pretty hooked up on your nonsense about Zlatan and Sweden. Okay, okay and so maybe Zlatan is a bad, a wrong name, but no, 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 we're, we're, no, 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 hold on. We are, I'm too deep into this right now. I am literally going player by player for... <laughs> Sweden's lineup today to look at how many play in big five leagues. All right. I just finished figuring it out. It is. They had five players in today's lineup of 11 that feature in Europe's big five leagues. The U S had nine, seven, seven of their 11 in today's starting 11. So you're right, Connor, not a good comparison, but (laughs) The reason, the reason why I just spent too much time on that. I had to find a way to put that in here. I'm sorry. But the reason why I think that Pulisic is at this point better, you know, I think the team is better without Pulisic Wait a second. Is, you never got Drew's opinion. All right. Sorry, Drew. What do you think about this ridiculous take of mine? Because objectively it is a ridiculous take. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's, if you don't, <laughs> for, again, like Connor, Connor brought up a good point with how Christian Pulisic is like the face of U.S. soccer, whether or not that's justified. I think it's honestly because he plays in the Premier League and it's a bigger deal than Serie A, Bundesliga, whatever. Um, he, he's also been around longer as well. Like, you know, to be fair, he has been the best American. I mean, he is still the best American player, but anyway. I think Connor brings up a really good point with opening up the space. And today, for me, I don't think he played well today either, but it felt like he was just trying so much. And it just wasn't on for him. Like, he would have these moments where he was just trying to do something that wasn't going to happen, that wasn't there. So I don't know if I would go so far to say they're better without him in the lineup. I think the, I think the picture of him in the, the mainstream U.S. soccer, U.S. sports world, of him being the poster child of this American move to Europe, I don't think that's justified. I think. 
honestly, in my personal opinion, Weston McKinney should be the face of this team, but I digress. Um, so I don't think I want to go so far to say he, they're better without him, but I don't think he is the heartbeat and soul of this. Calling him a number 10 is that feels kind of weird because I think I would. I know he wears number 10 and soccer numbers are annoying and weird, but there are some other players that I would consider the heartbeat of the U.S. squad right now. So I wouldn't go so far as to say they're better without him, but I definitely think his fate, him, he's not the heartbeat and soul. He's not the face of this team right now. But Josh, what what do you got? You're going to make some listeners mad, but I'm here for it. What Explain your take. So the point you guys bring up about him providing space is correct in theory. However, you guys are forgetting a very important factor. This is CONCACAF. And so all they do is going to, all they're going to try to do is hack him down on the field. So I don't think the space, the, the space aspect of it gets, you know, gets to apply in this situation. I think if anything, having Pulisic on the field disrupts the rhythm of your team because the other team is more concerned about, oh my gosh, brilliant header from Canada just now. Holy crap. That was a gorgeous goal. Gorgeous goal. I'm behind. I know. Oh, Josh. <laughs> that, dude, it's so, it's so gorgeous. It's so pretty. You're going to enjoy the heck out of this. Um, anyway, give, give it about 15 seconds before Connor sees it. Um, yeah, so Pulisic is getting hacked down, and it just disrupts the flow of the team. It happened a bunch today, like I said, and sometimes that was Pulisic's own fault for slowing the game down. Sometimes he was just looking to draw fouls because he knows those players are all over him all the time. The other aspect of it, too, like you were saying, you know, him being the face of soccer and all that stuff, you know, that's all well and good, but sometimes I feel like he was trying a little too hard because he realizes he's the, the face of U.S. soccer, and that's fine. I don't have a problem with that. If he feels he has a responsibility to carry this team, I don't mind that. I do mind it if it affects his play, Ooh. and again, if it... Yeah, see? Told you. <laughs> Derek Cornelius, baby. Come Dude, on. Great. White cap, cross. Right? Yes, white cap. Just, just a, had to hear just you a say great that. goal. Just Oof. a great goal. Yeah, go MLS, go Canada. Looks like they're go gonna... white caps. That's the real thing, Josh. They don't get a lot of good <laughs> I... moments on this podcast. We got to give it to them when they're here. That's true. <laughs> hey, it, it, if this result stands, it's U.S. Canada for a spot in the in the Olympics. Just saying. Just saying. That podcast, uh, I guess next <laughs> week is going to be a contentious one, shall we say? If if that if, if it this result is still sixty minutes to go, so we'll see. Crazier things have happened. But anyway, so back to Pulisic, yeah. I, I mean, it's still early, and I, I, what I am saying is a hot take. I fully realize that. And, but I, I do honestly believe that as of right now, the team is better without him. And I'm saying that based on the team's performance back in the fall with most of this roster and the team's performance today. If he gets more minutes at Chelsea, if he gets back in form, then you know what? He's probably going to be better at contributing in the national team, but he's not right now. He's not that fit. He only went 45 today. Brendan Aronson brought way more to this team when he subbed on for Pulisic than Pulisic did in the first half. And part of that, I think, is chemistry. And But again, biggest part of that, Aronson's playing every single weekend. He's playing multiple times a week. Pulisic is barely playing once a week. And that is a huge factor in things right now. Do either of you have anything to add on today's U.S. game before we uh, move I, on? I want to ask you a question. Hey, Connor, sorry. That's all I'm going to say. Uh, oh, you piece of crap. Oh, that's annoying. Um, because I know what's about to happen. 
Maybe. No, uh, you know. It's okay. Give it, it'll be like a minute and a half before it gets to you. Go ahead and say your thing. Yeah. Um, I want to know. You say he doesn't do well against CONCACAF because all he's going to do, all they're going to do is hack him down, right? Well, I'm, I'm saying it like that's, you know, that is the CONCACAF way. Like that's. Yeah. It's just how it is. What about in a World Cup match? Do you think he would fit better in a World Cup squad where he doesn't have to deal with being CONCACAFed? Honestly, yeah, I do. So, do you think the U.S. national team shouldn't bring him to CONCACAF games and should only bring him to the World Cup? I mean, yes and no. Yes, because of what what I just said, but no, because this team needs to build chemistry. And like I said, it was clear his chemistry was not with the rest of this squad. Uh. And, and I think a big part of that, (laughs) I think a big part of that is because he wasn't there in the fall because he was injured and he did get to go hang out with the rest of the team, but he didn't get to play. And that's two games right there. Now, you know what? Maybe he plays better against Northern Ireland on Sunday. Is that when the next game is? Yep. Man, Sunday's going to be a busy day. Um, for so many reasons. Uh, but maybe he has a better performance against Northern Ireland. Maybe there's an uptick in the chemistry between himself and his teammates. But it was just so obvious today that, again, he's out of form. And also, he's not on the same page as these guys yet. That can happen. Who knows with what's going to happen over the summer with the Gold Cup and, and Nations League and whatever else is going to go on. But I think you do bring him to World Cup qualifiers because you need to build the chemistry but at the same time, if you left him off, me personally, I wouldn't be that upset. But the fan base would be furious. I have a hot take about this Canada game. That Honduras goal shouldn't have counted. Why? The guy with the dreadlocks was offside and the got involved in the play. In? No, he didn't head it in. He jumped in front of Cornelius. Oh, he pushed down on Cornelius. I don't Cornelius. know, man. Goalkeeper missed the ball completely. I, I kind he of blame did, the keeper for but, messing this up. He did, but the guy got in the way and was offside and therefore was in an offside position, interfered with the play. I don't think that goal should have counted. It will because there's no VAR. But yeah, that's true. That's hey, there's a replay coming up. Take a, take a look at it because I wish I had looked closer. Keep uh, your eyes peeled for that. I just saw it, yeah. Um, but I, I don't think that goal should have counted personally. But who knows? Uh, that's either here nor there. Let's talk about the U22s <laughs> because we've been talking about them for the last five ten minutes already what do you guys think about the u.s u22s so far this u23 sorry so far this tournament i think what do i think i think first off it feels like i missed a lot of the first game against the dominican right was the dominican the game i showed up like the six yeah i showed up around the 60th minute popped in the slack josh was like this is terrible we're we suck and then they they turned it on. It was like, oh wow, this might be actually fun. They beat the Dominican four nothing, and then they lost to Mexico one nothing. Yesterday, I think we're recording this on Thursday, Wednesday. Yesterday, they lost to Mexico one to nothing, so that sucked. But my general consensus about this team is, I don't know if it's just a general soccer thing because in the second half, you know, you've grown into the game a little more. You know what the opponent's giving you. Maybe you're a little more fit than your opponent. But it feels like in the second half. The U23s have just been a different animal. And I think we saw that pretty obviously with the Dominican Republic, it going from it's 
nil-nil to it's for nothing and we're feeling good about ourselves. And then Mexico, the goal that Mexico scored wasn't really Mexico beating the United States. It wasn't Mexico, you know, tiki-taki passing, building from the back, breaking down the U.S. defense. It was just really, I forgot who passed the ball, but just really bad play in the back from the United States, which the United States was pretty dictated to playing out of the back. And it kind of cost them, and Mexico jumped on a mistake and scored one nothing to win that game. But my general consensus about this team is that the second half, they just feel like a totally different team they look like they were creating chances against mexico in the second half look like they might have had a shot to level it up there um yeah I'm, I'm kind of encouraged because the goal that mexico scored was not the u.s getting beat it was the united states beating themselves which is sloppy passing back there and mexico took advantage of it so i'm i'm not too upset because i think that goal mexico scored was just a sloppy mistake i hope it doesn't happen again you hope that's just a one-off never happens again you put it behind you move on don't deal with it again um but yeah my they just feel like in the second half they turn it on they flip a switch the intensity comes up maybe um against mexico it kind of felt like they were throwing the kitchen sink at them because they wanted that goal um so yeah that's my general take on them is that in the second half late toward the second half they just become a different team they become more attacking they become a lot more fun to watch so that's it's cool when it's happening, but then when I'm watching, I'm like, where was this for the first 60 minutes when you weren't down a goal? So that was that's my general take on the U23s. Um, again, 4 nothing win against the Dominican and then lost to Mexico yesterday on Wednesday, one to nothing. Josh, uh, what do you think about the U23s? And also, this has been a fun topic. How much did you take, going into that Mexico game, let me rephrase this, were you set on beating Mexico where you sit on Dosisero, U23 version, beat them in Mexico, beat them, or were you more on the stay healthy, no suspensions, the semifinals, the only thing that matters? I mean, at the end of the day, it's it's the semifinals that matter, first and foremost. So it it didn't really bother me that they lost. Obviously, you want them to beat Mexico because they're the U.S.'s fiercest rivals right now in CONCACAF. That being said, you know, I think I think we as fans need to just understand that this is not the best version of this team. It's not even the second best version of this team. I saw someone put together like six versions of the U23s and this is more like a C team or D team for the US, honestly. And so, you know, with that being said, I don't think we should place much expectation on this team in terms of going up against a group like Mexico in what is essentially a meaningless game. Now, at the bare minimum, they need to qualify regardless. They need to win their next game, whether it's against Canada, Honduras, whatever. So, in that regard, I didn't really care if they were going to win or lose. What concerns me is the lack of attacking output that the team has. And you're right, Drew. They they seem to figure things out in the second half, but... What's going to happen when they get bogged down in a game that matters this Sunday, right? Like, what's going to happen when they're going to have to CONCACAF their way against Canada or Honduras? Because it's going to get ugly no matter what, because those players, they want to be in the Olympics. Who wouldn't want to be in the Olympics and get to say that you're an Olympic athlete? Like, these players care. These kids care. And that's going to be really obvious in the game on Sunday, no matter what. So I'm a little concerned as to whether or not the U.S. can muscle their way through a result like that. And, you know, I've even started noticing it in the men's and the senior team 
especially today in Jamaica, the way that Burhalter and the way he wants the youth teams to play, there isn't a number 10. There isn't a single creative attacking midfielder, right? They rely on the system. The system is the creator, whether it's the dual eights or the wingers or the way the fullbacks overlap the wingers, whatever the case may be. I was honestly not impressed with the U.S.'s performance in the first half against Jamaica today. And while it was much more encouraging in the second half, I'm not as high on the way the team performed today as most other people. And I think we're seeing that with the, the U23 team as well. They just look stagnant. They, they are great at possessing the ball. They're great at advancing the ball into the attacking third. And once they get there, they can't do jack. They can't figure anything out when they're in the attacking third. And so it sucks not having an Eric Williamson or a Jeremy Obobese or whoever else has been left off this roster, Yuli Yanez, who got injured at the last second. You know, he's a really creative player. So losing these guys and not having them here with this C team, this D team, is affecting the team a lot. I am extremely concerned for Sunday's game. I have a bad feeling that the U.S. is not going to qualify for the Olympics. Um, and I am a little concerned with the way the system works that Burhalter is in place. Obviously, time will tell if it's the right move. You know, we'll see how we get through World Cup qualifiers and the Gold Club, the rest of this tournament, hopefully the Olympics and how we get through the Olympics. But I'm not feeling super convinced with the way the U23s are playing and with the way the first team played today, to be quite honest with you guys. Connor, let's get into some Canadian men's national team stuff. They played their first World Cup qualifier tonight. We were talking about it a little bit earlier on the podcast. Obviously, the U23s are playing right now. How are you feeling? I believe you guys are going to qualify no matter what for the semifinal, correct, in the U23s? Yes, I think so. No matter so. the result tonight? I think so, probably, hopefully. Uh, although, the only real chance we have is if we finish top of our group. So we have to win, I think, this match against Honduras. Uh, if we want to do that, because we are not going to beat Mexico, but we do have a chance at beating the U.S. Uh, yes. So, yeah. Um, in terms of the game tonight against Bermuda, uh, good outcome uh, is probably the best way to put it. Uh, I think it finished like 5-1, maybe 4-1. Uh, so... That's always a positive. Having Davies is huge. He was all over the pitch. Um, you know, Kyle Lahren had a hat trick. That's always good. Uh, as you mentioned in here, Davies had all three assists on for him. Uh, you, Kyle, or not Kyle Lahren, Richie Larea had a goal as well, his first international goal. So to get that sort of uh, diversified goal scoring, I guess, I think is huge. And it shows the versatility and attack that Canada's World Cup qualifying squad have. Uh, and I think, you know, they, having Davies is huge. Having Laren is huge. Atiba Hutchinson, even though he's not going to be there Sunday, he's heading back to Turkey. I think that's big. Uh, he was good today. So it's just been good to see what this team is able to do against a weaker opponent but in a very, very dominant performance uh, in terms of how well they did against Bermuda and how much they held the ball and controlled what was happening. Uh, but did you guys catch any of that game? 
Are you talking about the World Cup qualifier? Yeah. No. No. Nope. I mean, obviously, I I had it on a little bit at the beginning of the podcast, so I saw that fourth goal, Laren's, yeah. um, when he completed his hat trick. But it was five one because. Um, oh, Metcalf. Some, yeah, I. Is it Metcalf? Okay, I didn't recognize who it was that scored that last goal. It's like a set piece, I think, or a cross. Yeah, it was like a tap in, sort of. Uh, I think it was it was number seventeen. I remember that. Uh, but I don't remember who's, what his name was. Theo Corbineau. Theo Corbineau. Corbineau? Yes. Corbineau. He is the Wolves product. Um, oh. Plays for Wolves. Oh, hey. Side note. Earlier today on the U.S. broadcast, John Champion pronounced Jordan Sabachu's last name as Siabacheu. We're not that bad. We can't pronounce that one team in England that starts with a B, but we can pronounce his well, last name. Well, I can. In Bournemouth, well, but hold on you a two second. can't. Okay, hold on a second. We can all say Bournemouth. All right, Bournemouth. we're very capable. It just, <laughs> it's just in the moment when it matters most, we fail. And then the Sabachu nonsense, I can't tell if it's John Champion's weird British accent that's making him say Siobacheu or if he actually pronounces his last name that way, which is quite possible. And we've been saying it wrong this whole time. Also quite possible. But it, when I heard that, it... it alarmed me it made my ears perk up while i was watching the game well okay uh that's an interesting take to how to say uh sabachu but you know it is what it is um but yeah coming I think, from the the guys who say hapapa yeah well that's his name his <laughs> name is matthew hapapa who has apparently been linked to byron so yes i i forgot to mention this last week or maybe it came out since last week but there's a, apparently a gentleman's agreement between himself and Schalke that they will let him move this summer um so that seems like a win-win Schalke gets money for him because they need the money and hop can go wherever he likes yeah so look forward to that and seeing him play for a bigger club than that relegation side uh <laughs> Firing They're shots, bad. Josh. They're really bad. Nah, it's okay. It's okay. G- Daddy Ralph Rangnick is gonna he's gonna bring the team back to glory. Okay. Well, why don't we dive into the U twenty threes because they're almost at halftime on my stream. Um, probably at halftime by the time Josh's stream is on. But not stoppage time yet. We're getting there. No we're ten stoppage seconds time. away. Okay. Um, what have you guys seen any of the Canadian U twenty three matches? Negative. I I mean I saw what Buchanan did. I didn't I didn't see the goals. I just like saw on Twitter that he tore up El Salvador. Uh, yes, he did do that. Uh, he had a great start <laughs> to that match, but he had a terrible match against Haiti, where he got very very frustrated and couldn't really get anything going. Uh, which you know that match against Haiti is embarrassing. Drawing nil nil. Uh, frankly, they should be ashamed of of themselves. That never should have happened. They just couldn't break down the Haitian side. Uh, their formation, they just nothing was working, and everything they were trying was the same thing over and over, and it just 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 didn't work. But in terms of the U twenty three's performance, Buchanan's been pretty good. Cornelius, who scored tonight, has been great. Uh, I thought I think Beltissimo has been pretty good. So far, the tournament as well. Player who hasn't been good and has just been... He should have two goals at this point, but he just doesn't because he's terrible. Bello Tabla. He has been 
dreadful. It's like he's had two tappins and he's missed both of them, frankly. And it's it's not acceptable. Like I think it's gotten to the point where I don't even know if he's starting tonight. He didn't start the last match either. Uh, because it just hasn't been playing well. And for a player like that, you need them to be playing well. Uh, right now, he just isn't doing that. And that's a big issue. When one of your hopefully best players is relegated to the bench. Uh, and, you know, Buchanan was good in the first game, very active, very lively. Very frustrated in the second game. Couldn't really get anything going. Uh, and, yeah, I like, it's a good Canadian team. Like, it's not terrible. But they don't have enough, in my opinion, to go, f- f- like, they might have enough to beat the U.S., maybe. It's going to be unbelievably tough, but they might and they'll have to require on some stellar goalkeeping, which they've had so far this tournament. Uh, so, you know, I don't know. I think, I, I don't think Canada's going to qualify for the Olympics. I don't think they have the quality. I don't think they're going to beat Honduras tonight, frankly. Uh, so that might end up on old takes exposed, depending on what happens. Uh, hopefully it does, but I highly doubt it will. So... I don't know. What do you guys think about the Canadian U23s? And do you think they have enough to beat the U.S.? All I want to say is, at this rate, the way the three of us are sounding about our U23 teams, we're going to be really sad next pod when both the U.S. and Canada have failed to make the Olympics <laughs> and it ends up being Honduras and Mexico. I don't really have much to add. I, I you know, All I want to say is it's disappointing to hear about uh, Balu Tabla, um, you know, I remember when he was with Montreal and he was playing really well for them and he got that move to Barcelona for a little bit um, and nothing really materialized. And then he came back to Montreal and then nothing's really happened since then. And so it kind of feels like, you know, I don't want to say like his career is fizzling out, but it's definitely not going down a path. You know, I think we expected a few years ago through his first stint in Montreal. So it's disappointing to hear that about Tabla. You know, hopefully things improve for him and he gets his mind right. Because like you said, I mean, this is a fairly talented U23 Canada team, but you need players like him to contribute or else you don't have enough. So it's really all I, I have to add to that, I think. Drew, you have anything you want to add? Not a whole lot. I've not been able to catch a lot of their games except just hearing Connor's takes about them drawing nil-nil with Haiti. It was kind of fun in the Slack. So it was a rough, it was a rough stretch of Slack messages from us going from... U.S. not scoring to the Dominican, to scoring four against the Dominican, to Connor complaining about not scoring against Haiti. So um, it's rough. We'll see. This Honduras game is going to do a lot for the podcast and do a lot for qualifying purposes and hopes as someone's going to get Mexico. And I think I I don't see anyone being Mexico in this tournament. So that's kind of rough. Yeah, you guys were quite unbearable in that uh, Slack chat as you then put up four goals against the Dominican Dominican Republic. Whoa, whoa. Uh, to, to be fair, to be fair, first sixty minutes terrible, and I think got a little lucky in the final thirty with some of those goals. If it weren't for Hassani Dotson, then Minnesota yes, United saves the day again. <laughs> yes, our Lord and Saviors, Minnesota United. <laughs> uh, Thanks, Adrian Heath. It's all <laughs> you. You did all of this. Underdogs, yeah. at it again. 
Exactly. Do we have anything we want to add to this podcast? Nope. True. Take us out. Yes, guys. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the MLS Multiplex Podcast as we talk about national teams, MLS, and everything in between as the season gets ready to get kicked off here in a couple of weeks. As always, please visit the website MLSMultiplex.com to check out a lot of written content that the three of us produce as Josh just dropped his kit grading story earlier today. I need to read that. I'm excited about it. He's talked about it a lot. So give that a read. Um, And just general reading from all the other website writers cranking out awesome articles and follow the website on social media at MLS Multiplex to see articles as they get posted on social media and give us a follow on the Twitter world as well. Myself at underscore Drew Hubbard, Josh at Josh underscore Bolin and Connor at CWG Somerville. So thank you guys so much for listening from wherever in the world you were listening. We really do appreciate it. And please leave a review on the podcast. We love hearing ways how we can get better and how we can improve. So thank you guys again so much for listening and be sure to tune in next week because we'll have another episode talking about the wonderful wide world of MLS. So be sure to tune in next week and we will talk to you then. Thank you for listening to the MLS Multiplex Podcast. Check out all of the contributors' written work at MLSMultiplex.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.